0: everyone and welcome to the show i'm martin willis your host really looking forward to this evening the first part of the show is with james fox i love the guy's energy he's the hardest uh i would say hands down he's the hardest working person in the ufo world uh that's focused on the ufo topic always love talking to him after that dean alioto who's also a filmmaker and we got a lot to cover with him as well Uh, The blog this week is a possible 1978 UFO abduction case from British Columbia by uh, Charles Lear. So a couple of things. Uh, We are in the audio podcast. We are running some commercials. So you can skip all that. All you have to do is uh, join Patreon uh, for $2 or more a month. And the link is right on the website, podcastufo.com. And also the audio blogs are going to be on there as well. So... Anyway, uh, I am so excited to bring in James. I'm not even going to blab anymore. James, welcome.
1: Oh, thanks for having me on, Martin.
0: Yeah, it's always fun having you on. And, uh, I, you know, I posted a clip of you uh, telling Michael Shermer exactly what you, you thought of his ideas. And uh, that kind of went viral. A lot of people love that. Uh, that's that's really great. I mean, I could see you like you could see you getting all antsy and when he was talking. And, like, you couldn't take it any longer. And Uh, it's true. And just let's just recap exactly what that was about. It's the thing you always hear a skeptic say, and that is they talk about the explainable
1: UFO sightings and encounters. Yeah, I mean, those we're not interested in those. We know that already. You're just wasting my time. Like, you're just taking up space. It's so frustrating. I've had it. And I sat there and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing this. You know, and I was, oh, I was getting, I was boiling over. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And then you let him have
0: it. It was great. And then, you know, a lot of people said to me, well, what did, what did Michael Shermer say to that? I mean, what was his response? Nothing. I watched the whole interview. He never had a, you know, never said anything to that. Never had a rebuttal. He he, he knows. Yeah.
1: Believe me, he knows. He's not an idiot.
0: Yeah. No, he's a very smart guy. Yeah. And actually, he's a nice guy. I actually had him on this show before. Yeah. And he was very, you know, he was uh you, you know, he was polite and uh, you know, he wasn't too offensive. I I was all ready to go with him, you know, and and he 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 was
1: he knew he was on a UFO show, so he well, really you know, behaved. I he I've had interaction with him for at least 20 years. I want to say that. I sent him a copy of out of the blue and that would have been early two thousands. Cause I did a couple versions of out of the blue. I had a, I went back to the drawing board as, as one does, but I, I think I gave him an early copy of out of the blue and uh, he gave me a quote and it was a very nice quote. Like mm-hmm. uh, I was, I, I was shocked. And you know, we've been, we've debated this topic on uh, Larry King and, Oh nothing. yeah different different places i mean james McGaha is much worse i don't know whatever happened to that guy but james McGaha and i went at it one time i think it might have been on anderson cooper and he was just oh my it was it was so bad he was talking about how pilots didn't know what they were talking about and they were not you know uh better observers yeah better qualified observers like what are, what are you talking about you idiot <laughs>
0: Well, you know, you're wearing you're hiding your shirt, you can just barely see it, the phenomenon. But I, I love that movie. And, oh. uh, and it was on the travel channel the other night. And you know, the very beginning of that movie, when that guy is when you're in that actually the bomber or whatever it is, and I that guy knows. Oh my God. And that guy talks about that encounter. And what an encounter that was. I mean, it was a perfectly shaped saucer flying over the field below them. Which is really something, I mean, that's a that's a great military encounter.
1: It's such a compelling encounter. It was nine minutes in duration. It started at like I wanna say ten to twelve thousand feet of elevation, and it ends up at, at treetop level where they thought they were gonna collide with this disc. You know, and then the yeah. guy who's a World War II pilot and a colonel in the Air Force ends up being put like as public spokes officer for Project Blue Book, like you know, eight, ten years later. I mean, you know, talk about a good witness. And, and of course, what's the first thing he did when they when he became involved with Project Blue Book? Did he? He went to look for his sighting. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. Oh, wow. 19- I didn't his know that. Was heard in 1955, and, and you know, Project Blue Book was in full swing, and it, they all gave detailed accounts. And he said that there were engineers from like Lockheed Martin. I think it was Boeing and Lockheed. And they were, you know, these were very smart, trained observers, and they were just squ- baffled. One of the things that Colonel Coleman said was that they were separated and debriefed and gave statements and that their their testimony all aligned perfectly. Like they all experienced exactly the same thing. They described the same thing. And um, so Colonel William Coleman, when, they, when, when he was part of Project Blue Book years later, he went to find his encounter. And guess what? but it wasn't there. It wasn't uh, project book. And the reason being the better, the, the, the better, the witness, the more qualified the, the eyewitness, the more compelling the yeah. encounter, the less likely the air force will ever want you to see it or hear about it. Because those are the cases that they cannot explain. Those are the ones that we're interested in hearing about.
0: Now, Did they go somewhere else?
1: Do you think? Well, obviously, I mean, they took, yeah. the, they didn't throw it away. Yeah. yeah, you know. I wonder I, if, they, if yeah. there's footage involved. You can, you can, you can say that's going to go magic bye-bye as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm in touch with a colonel right now for the United States Air Force who was a fighter pilot and had this dramatic encounter in 1980. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. And I've been, he came forward anonymously um, recently. I think I posted it on my Twitter account, but he's very seriously contemplating coming fully forward. He shot gun cam footage of this of this object. And, um, it was a very dramatic encounter, and of course, that footage was taken once again, never to be seen or heard of. Yeah, what was his debriefing like? Do you know? He said there was a guy in a dark suit in the room, huh, and didn't say anything. And there was you know, and then he was asked never to talk about the incident. yeah, and that the gun cam footage that he shot was taken. And uh, I mean, honestly, he's still concerned this to this day. I mean, what is that forty three years later? was in 1980, it's part
0: of yeah. NATO. You think, I? you know, I've said this before a number of times on the show, makes you wonder where all this footage is, this great footage, going all the way back to, you know, what uh, Gordon uh, saw there on the, the planes and, and uh, that big, uh, was it Big sir. I'm trying to think of that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, 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 J- Jacobs. Uh, yeah. Robert Jacobs, uh, Vandenberg yeah. Air Force Base, circa 1965. Yeah. Like, and there's the so Amazon. many like yeah. that. Yeah. That and, guy is so believable. I there's not a you know, not an iota of doubt that, that gentleman was telling me the truth. Yeah. I mean, you you heard his his he's so believable. Right. Yeah. You know,
0: so it makes you wonder where all that goes. Well, I have to ask you, James, that there's I am getting email and I know you are too. Um, do you have any opinion on what might be going on in Peru? It's such a crazy story,
1: you know. I don't. I have been getting so many, I mean, so many requests, so many um, questions regarding that incident. Um, I did reach out to um, my counterpart, Marco Leal in in Brazil. He seems to think there's some substance to it. He wants to go um, and he very well might go. I uh, I I don't I I cannot speak intelligently about it because I simply don't have any valid any more than than what the rest of us have at this. And I know
0: you've been you've been working really, really hard because I I almost had to threaten
1: your life to get you on this show. Yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm shooting and editing a new movie. So I've 80 percent of it shot. I'm dealing with some government insiders, some Intel folks, insiders that are going through the process uh, of the whistleblower process that David Grush went through that want to come forward. Um, so I'm trying to work that angle, um, trying to look into the David Grush accounts and, and meet with representatives and, you know, um, schedule shoots. Yeah. You see what I come up with at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't wait for that. I, and I
0: I know uh, the last one uh, moment of contact. You put that thing together really really fast for one of these type of of movies, and uh, that
1: did that did really well. Well, and, I did. But keep in mind that we spent the better part of twelve years on and off investigating that case, and I went back and forth five times to Brazil.
0: Oh, I didn't realize. But but when you oh, yeah. got all the footage done, you really put that thing
1: together we, fast. We cranked yeah, I'm doing the, I'm trying to do the same th- same thing with this one. in fact, I um, I wanted this one to be very like I wanted it to be the most beautiful documentary I've ever created. So I really oh. like I, I hired um, really uh, seasoned photographers. I mean the same gentleman that I've had, DP David West, but then he brought in another person who does these beautiful, uh, I want to call them time-lapse. They're like motion time-lapse, where they set up cameras on tracks. We got permits all across Washington, D.C. I mean, if you've ever seen the series House of Cards on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Like that kind of photography. I just wanted it, because the epicenter of a lot of what's happening for this push for transparency and and what's going on is happening in Washington, D.C. right now. And it's phenomenal what's happening behind the scenes. And I'm just getting a tiny taste of it. I can only imagine how much more is going on. And yeah. uh, so I wanted, the, I wanted the heart of the film to kind of, you know, revolve around D.C. So we went there for five weeks, almost five weeks, and we shot. We're going back in a couple of weeks. And we shot the most beautiful B-roll I've ever seen of Washington, D.C. I mean, we got permits. We set up cameras on tracks. Uh, it's just stunning. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I'm telling you, man. And then I got a composer in London who's doing the music. And I I mean, we're going, we're really going all out. I want this to be, it's most, I mean, I'm trying to make it the most beautiful doc I've ever made. I'm trying. Wow.
0: I remember you saying that about the phenomenon and you did. That was your, you know, that, that was a beautiful film. All, all your work is great. I love all your work. Um, I've, it's, I've told many people over the years, Even when I first started that, you know, out of the blue, I know what I saw all those movies you, you did way back then. And you said, no, you didn't like those. (laughs) You wanted to do better. And uh, you did that with a phenomenon. And uh, I know you had a lot of years in that. I remember when you first, uh, I remember the first title and the first few struggles you had in that, you know, the 701, I believe it was called or something like that. And
1: uh, one thing I've learned is I, work best solo and what I mean by that I had some opportunities when the phenomenon came out to um, do some stuff with Netflix and things you know but then I would have had executives breathing over my neck when I collaborate with too many people I don't know I I, I can't I feel restrained mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm much better. Got my little edit studio behind us. Yeah, you know, I got a, a core crew that I've been working with for, for quite some time. Um, yeah, one of which is is this gentleman Boris, and and uh, he worked with my on my first documentary with me back when I was in my early twenties, and oh. we're still working together today. And uh, and we just are a good team. We get along. We always deliver, and uh, and we do it on a smaller budget in an independent spot like this subcontract out work when i need it if i need some help with like writing or something i'll bring somebody in yeah but that's it i want to do it completely independently and i don't want any executives breathing over my neck or that kind of thing and so i've you know yeah. I'm, that's what i'm doing now i'm just gonna that's all i'm gonna do
0: and i know my first friend uh, chris o'brien helps you out now and then he's a wonderful human being love him yeah he's great yeah He's a vagabond. He's all over the place. I don't know. Is he, I don't know where he is right now. Uh, But yeah, he's a great guy. So Uh, smart. Oh my God. Yeah. He's, he's very intelligent. And he's got some great stories too. And uh, that's, you know, uh, getting back to, I heard you mention Grush, you know, I mean, I just want to touch on this negative thing real quickly and then get out of it. It's just my opinion anyway. And that's the uh, intercept. uh, Ken Klippenstein. So How drugs? Recognize his yeah. name? you know, I, I don't I can't see, I've been trying to give an open an open mind to his article, but I, I, I can't see any other purpose for that than a negative uh spin to David Grush. I don't know what else it could be. You uh, know, yeah. it is it is his right as a journalist to do what he did, but um, you know, but it kind of points to the evidence that he got to know where to look because the names would be redacted. You know, so he knew where to
1: look and when to look for it. So here's what I do know. And I've heard this from, from two very credible sources that the uh, writers of the last two smear campaigns um, were both uh, tipped off where to look. And that came from inside the intel, folks. That's what I was told. That yeah. clearly, that's what happened. Like, hey, you might want to look over here. I mean, I, I'd say to to those those folks. Um, we should be putting all of our energy into uh, validating the claims that are made by this this uh, intelligence officer, David Grush. Um, he was willing to testify under oath. He's put everything on the line, his entire reputation, his life. Um, the, the, the media, particularly the mainstream media, should be really asking questions. This guy handed us on a silver platter Probably one of the biggest stories in the history of mankind. And, you know, instead of putting the energy and resources into uh, figuring out uh, the validity of, of the claims he made, there seems like they're more interested in, in, in smearing the poor, the poor guy. So I'd say focus on, uh, you know, di- up, turning up more witnesses, more documents, more specifics. And, and the best we can. That's what we should all be focusing on right now.
0: Yeah, I'm concerned. Well, I, I just want I wanted to show this right here. This is uh, I did get to meet him and I, I f- it was kind of funny. I was filming while I was uh, shaking his hand. Someone took a picture. Oh, but, that's um, great. Yeah. But anyway. Um, I feel really concerned now. I have a, a major witness coming up, a military witness coming up on uh September 5th and, and the ones you are speaking of as well. Uh, And I'm almost afraid that they're going to see how this is being treated and say, forget it. I don't want to talk about it.
1: Mm, Yeah, but mm, overall um, he's weathering the storm quite nicely. And I know people that are in the process of, of, of getting the whistleblower protection stuff. I mean, it's a process they have to go through. I think it's with the ICIG might be the the, the administrator or the office of, Thomas Monheim I believe but in any case they're starting that process and it's a fairly I understand it's it's like a maybe a week long process I'll find out more but
0: no I thought that I thought the whistleblower situation had a deadline of like last April or something is this has this been extended which I think it should be uh are you aware of how that works
1: yeah. no all I know is that there's a process that needs to before they come out and that they can't release you know, super classified data, there's parameters on what they can, they can talk about. And there's a process to get to that. And, um, and there are other people that are firsthand witnesses that are going through that process. I am familiar with one of them quite well. And uh, so that's, 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 I think it's imminent.
0: So, I mean, that, that would be, you know, people would ask me, I'm sure they ask you the same question. uh, You know, what do you hope happens with all this? you know, the movement forward, the hearing and all that. And my answer has been that the firsthand witnesses actually do come forward. And,
1: you know, that would I mean, how could that be denied if they do? Well, I mean, you know, and, and a firsthand witness is going to come forward. And guess what? They're going to say, oh, yeah, well, let's just talk. Where's the craft? Where are the bodies? This is baloney. Just more claims without any evidence. That's what they're going to say. And uh, okay. inevitably. And And then, uh, but but all the evidence would be classified. You would assume, you know. Look, my response is this: because I get criticized a lot with the Virginia, like, oh yeah, it's just more more talking heads. More, it's like, well, yes, but people are coming forward in droves right now on the Virginia case. There are doctors coming forward, forensic pathologists coming forward, talking about having seen the body or footage of the of the creature. And, and, um, and we're talking about it and we're making a concerted effort to find the videotaped evidence that we know exists. Yeah, we're talking about it. Would we like to get our hands on it? Of course we would. But how are you gonna talk about something you don't know exists? You, you need to learn about the fact that it exists. It's like the, the satellite imagery, right? It's like we're getting that dialogue going and people are starting to learn like, okay, we know through some pretty credible people that that satellite data does exist and it's very compelling, right? Yes, we haven't gotten our hands on it yet. I've actually had people contact me. This is kind of funny. Um, I'm trying to think how much I can say here, but I've I've had uh, individuals that uh, that that claim to have had the clearances and know exactly where it is. So they've been feeding that information to me, and I've been feeding it to people on the inside, like. This is where it is. And, and it's aligning like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Oh, yes, it would be on that database. Oh, thank you for the, you know. Now, whether or not those people that I'm feeding it to through this will be able to release it to the general public, I don't know. I, I hope so. And I certainly hope that by them, these individuals with the clearances that they that, that, that can get their hands on it. I mean, the more people talking about it, the more you know, hopefully, likely that something will either leak out or like it did with the Pentagon with the the videos of the Tic Tac or enough pressure putting on DOD where they have to eventually release some stuff. Uh, I, I mean, I get frustrated, too, for the audience that are, you know, that criticize yeah. people that are just talking about evidence and not producing it. But we got to start somewhere. And what do you think about,
0: you know, how in Virginia, the it seemed like the Americans showed up there. Uh, this seems like a repeating situation that I've heard a couple of other different times where, uh, you know, people show up and, you know, something, how they knew about it and all that. I mean, it's just all, it's really bizarre how these things seem to happen. And, you know, there's accounts of, of people showing up on a site, you know, with no insignia and black camo and, you know, and, and all that. And, uh, like
1: taking over the project, that type of thing. I never believed in any of this. I heard accounts for so long about these men in suits that show up. They're from some unknown government, US government agency. I avoided putting them in my films. I heard them back in the 90s when I was investigating the the, the Phoenix Lights case or the massive UFO flyover on March 13th, 1997. And um, I, I just kept hearing them, kept hearing them, kept hearing them, kept hearing them. And I think the final straw for me was when I was in Virginia, South America, Brazil. And the mother of the two daughters mentioned these men in suits. And that was like, okay, I really believe this woman. And these men were intimidating. They were, um, they were intimidating, very intimidating. And they were somewhat, um, there was a there was an air of 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 mystery almost like su- I'm not gonna say supernatural, but they had that air about them. That they just seemed there was something about them, according to the eyewitness testimony from people I spoke to, that there was just something menacing. There was something odd. Hmm. You know what I mean? Something. Hmm. I don't want to use the word otherworldly but but odd there's you know, you know what I find I find, the,
0: I find the oddest part of it or one of the oddest part parts of it is all of a sudden they show
1: up well you know, I remember they show up I remember you know? the woman the mother said she she ran and first of all she was very, inti- very intimidated when they arrived she thought it was one of the fellow researchers like Ubidojara uh, or or Pecchini showing up just to talk with her. And it was these men in suits and, and, uh, and she was scared. I mean, they were very forceful trying to get, you know, her to take this deal or going to get her daughters to go on a TV show and say that the daughters were lying and all this stuff, and she, which she refused to do. And, uh, but when, when they left and she threatened to call the police and that's when they finally left, uh, she ran after them. She got this long corridor outside with a, with a metal gate, and she like ran up the corridor after the gate closed and she ran out there to see, and they were just gone. You know, there was just no sign of them in any direction. She was kind of, that that was odd and the way huh. they had kind to of show up and the way they're, the, the, the way they, they, they seem to be omnipresent with really good cases. And it's just, I don't know, man, there's something very strange about them. I don't know. Or maybe they're just trained to be that way. I really don't know. Just yeah. Something odd. Yeah. And then, you know, on site, The
0: camo dudes, as they call them, Mm. you know, from what I understand in black camo. I've heard that in two different situations, you know, and who the heck would they be? And what what type of like a
1: recovery team, you know, that type of situation? Well, you know, I I honestly and I was investigating Virginia. First of all, I didn't believe Virginia for the longest time. Right. I didn't Mm. even want to waste my time with it. Um, And I, I would say at least 10 years or 11 years so weird to think that i was in, i was making documentaries on ufo's and i refused to look into this case and then what caught me by surprise was while we were the last time we were filming there which would be about i would my guess would be about 2 years ago uh, there was a i wish i could remember his name marco something he was a everybody like part of the fire department or police department or Flight safety—it's all connected to the government. So there's like the federal police, the federal like so the military is connected to the fire department. The military is connected to the police department. The military is connected to, you know, the flight control where they look at the radar and they and they manage all incoming flights and everything. Yeah. That individual came forward about two years ago while we were in Brazil. We tried to get an interview with him, but it's it's all it's it's he did it on a, on a podcast. And he said that he, uh, you can go look for it. Um, He saw, uh, you know, USAF, he kept saying, which is USAF, United States Air Force flight that came in and it didn't have authorization and it landed in. And then and that he was like, this plane doesn't have authorization. You need authorization. And then one of the higher ups came into the room. This is all videotaped. He's talking about this. Uh, came in and said, let the plane land, and it landed in Campinas right around January 20th or 21st of 1996. So you have an an unauthorized United States Air Force airplane that lands in Campinas right at the time where we have, you know, on-camera testimony from people claiming to have driven the, the being or beings to Campinas right around that time. High level of, I mean, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's pretty compelling evidence somebody sent me and of course i i just got barraged with uh twitter and email oh my gosh when i went on joe rogan i I could barely keep up with it i mean it was a full-time job but i was following leads somebody sent me a photograph um in of of a uh trying to think what play was it a um sorry guys i'm not that uh proficient with my different types of airplanes, but it was a, it was a United States airplane and it was large enough to put a, uh, a tank and uh, a tank or two, or, or a couple of Black Hawk helicopters, I think maybe one or possibly two. And um, I'm working with it, with the United States, uh, a, a, a retired United States air force Colonel that, has been trying to help me locate that plane but the tail numbers in the photograph are just a little too blurry but you can see the flags and the number and the and the colors so we've we're pretty sure we know what base it's coming from but we don't have the actual tail numbers so we've been trying to get that individual who sent me the first to scan it better cuz he took a photograph of him holding it and then sent it to me but if he could scan it then we'd probably get the tail numbers mm-hmm. so you know we're, we're really trying to, we're, we're, we're really following up on that. We're following I follow up on leads with, with, with Virginia daily. And, um, and I got to say, when I watched David Grush testify under oath, that was a very, uh, that was a milestone. That was, yeah, that was something else. And you were there.
0: I was right there and I just barely got in. I mean, I was the second to last person in the door. Um, and then, you know, just last night, this is funny, last night I'm looking at, there was footage of people going down the line and around the corner, and about 300 people down, I saw this very distinct kid, and I remember he was sitting three rows in front of me. Somehow, he snuck in, all these people snuck in. you, you got
1: to be kidding. No,
0: he was like 300 people behind me, and he got, you know, he got in like the second row, he's he's in the, a lot of the, uh, the news footage. So here's a very nice comment here, uh, James. I'm a professor who has taught a research writing course behind, oh, based on UFOs and the paranormal. The students' first assignment is to watch the phenomenon. Isn't
1: that oh, nice? Oh, that's yeah. that's that's a nice. Uh, yeah, uh,
0: thank, you for, thank you. for that. Yeah, for that no, it's,
1: it's it's always it's it's so great. I mean, it's such, it's it was so great that we that the stars aligned and we were able to. To make the phenomenon that's exactly what it's supposed to be used for as a tool i mean documenting all that history and all the archive material and stuff it was really important to put those pieces of the puzzle together in a way that people that are unfamiliar with the topic could make sense of it all and and uh, and have a much better foundation for uh, understanding uh the complexity of of, of the phenomenon
0: so, what is what is the most rewarding part of doing what you're doing? Is it things like that, or is it um, you know the connections you make when you're involved in in doing these things?
1: I'm very curious, and I always like to kind of get to the bottom of things. And I, I'm coming to the realization that I'm probably not going to get to the bottom of it, but I am certainly learning more, and uh, it's been very gratifying what one thing the phenomenon did for me is it's open doors and I, I have relationships with people behind the scenes now for the first time more so than ever before and 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 that's and I just really want to know I really want to know as much as I can learn about what's going on and I, I obviously I'll share as much of that always with the general public Um I think I'm just very curious by nature, and and um, I, I I just want to know. I want to yeah. know. I feel like we, we, sh- we all have a right to know whether it's, you know, a little scary. I mean, the unknown is always a little scary, right? Yeah. Uh, or whatever it is. It doesn't change. Reality doesn't change. I mean, the facts coming forward doesn't change our reality. It's still – we're still, you know –
0: I think that's a great answer, and there's there is so many uh, things that we just can't even sense with our senses, and there may be things around us that we don't even know are existing. You know, there's there's uh, and that whole idea of uh, another dimension being a possibility. I mean, there's there's so many things, and I like one of the I think Jacques Vallee or someone says something along the lines we may not even understand if we knew we may not even understand which I think is uh very possible so we have someone we're gonna uh, join us to say hi to you at least
1: James mr Dean how are you sir My brother what's up not well, what? much you gotta I don't know if you your microphones I'm hearing squeak squeak
0: yeah your microphone's Sorry. not geez I thought you were a pro man I know. Can you hear me now?
1: Well, we no. can hear you, but it's You're like you have a to go of... into
0: settings and see what's like going on with a, your mic. Little,
1: little piggy or something, a cartoon. All right, hold on here.
0: Yeah. So James, do you have a uh, do you have a working title? Have you thought of a working title? No, but
1: but your overall. I mean, I have a working title, but I don't like it. Yeah. Okay. going to call it something, but it's not. I don't even <laughs> want to announce it because it doesn't. Yeah. It's not going to be the title. Yeah. And I, I keep thinking like every time I, I've never had a title for any film I've ever done until the last minute, right? <laughs> like when I did when I did I know what I saw, I was like, what's the title? What's the title? I, like, I don't know. You know, and I'm in the edit studio, and I kept hearing these witnesses going they out of frustration. I look, I know what I saw. Okay. Yeah. Stop telling me what I didn't see, you know. And I thought, well, that has a nice ring to it. You know. And I've had a, I've had a
0: lot of people say, you know, just in conversation on the street talking about, you know, and they kind of bring up something like that. Well, I know what I saw and it sure wasn't a, you know, wasn't one of ours, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll say that. I still think that
1: that film holds up well and it's a great, it does. I think it's a great title and I love Out of the Blue. I love that title. You yeah. know, I, I like a title that doesn't scream UFO. It has subtle, like subtle, it's subtle. You know, like moment of contact, I was in the field because I always want. I when I talk to a witness that's got to experience something that I would love to experience, you know what I mean? Like whether it's standing under a craft or seeing a landed craft. I mean, imagine watching a craft land and the door. open. It's just ah, it's unfathomable. But when I was meeting the women and I'd known them, I was saying to them, like, gosh, when you locked eyes with this creature, and I know it was such a quick, like fleeting moment, but put me there. What did you feel? What did you see? Like, you know, time slows down when you have those experiences. And I remember I said that during that moment of contact, when you locked eyes, and later I thought, hmm, moment of contact. Huh? That's, uh, I like that. You know, asked a couple yeah. people. Oh yeah, that's a winner. Looked yeah. it up, Googled it. The other day I did, I Googled, I, I thought about something because I kept hearing people refer to the program, you know, people that are working with uh, UAP or whatever. And uh, but then I Googled it and I was like, eh, eh, uh, no, but it was close. It was a contender for a <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Selma, Selma Siddick from
0: uh, the Ariel. Oh, school. I know her well. I love that. Yeah, person. she's a lovely, Amazing. lovely person. You know, when she tells me she made that con, you know, the she said to me that breaking contact, eye contact with that being that was only four feet away from her was one of the hardest things she ever had to do in her life. Breaking away from it. You know, she was curious about how her siblings were on the playground and she had to force herself to look away from it. But I mean, but she had she had she didn't get any message like some of the kids claim they did. You know, but it's not that she remembers and she doesn't really want to know. I've asked her if she wanted to, you know, ever wanted to go into some type of re- regression, you know, hypnotherapy to see if she could recall anything. She, I don't think she wants to. She said, Dean, she let's said try your let's try your audio. Can you hear me? Yes. That's better. All yeah. right. Good. All
2: right. Um, James, always great to see your brother. Likewise. Um, so what James didn't tell you is that before 407, there was another title of his film. It was everything you want to know about UFOs, but are afraid to ask, and more, and more, and Thank more, and, more. Yeah. and I said, "I said, I'm not sure about that." And he came back with 407. I said, "I just one word, Phenom."
0: Do you mean a that, 7 701, right? Yes, so you 701.
2: Saying? Something like there were several number combinations, and then <laughs> he would say, I say I said, "Just call it Phenom, one word like Facebook." And he said, "The phenomenon." <laughs> and I said, "If that." If that works for you, fine.
0: So, <laughs> so that's how that one happened.
1: Well, I it was got funny, actually, because in the edit room, we heard the phenomenon. I was working with a, with a gentleman, uh, Mark Barish, a brilliant writer, really great researcher. And um, we were bouncing names off each other for quite some time. And we, we were bombarded with every interview, people saying the phenomenon. It was even like uh, uh, Senator or former Senate majority leader Harry Reid had used that word during the interview. And I hadn't thought of it. But Mark Barrish, my partner at the time, writing partner, uh, was like, hey, what do you think about the phenomenon? I was like, oh, dude, that one's been staring us in the face this whole time. Like that's and we looked it up. You know, of course we don't people people are like, oh yeah, I went to watch your movie and I got John Travolta. I was like, oh yeah, that's phenomenon. You gotta, it's got you got to put a the then phenomenon. It's like you know, what is it? The yeah. the, the the phenomenon. Shameless,
2: shameless plugin. <laughs> Good lord.
0: So that is that what you do, James? You you Google to see if you can find any names of past movies. I do. Make, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I, that's the first thing I do. You kind yeah, of have to. Check it out. Yeah. Making a film, you want to make
2: sure that you're the first. Or I or, mean, the alien abduction film I did. There's tons of films called alien abduction. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. You kind of want to make sure that you're branding out there the first time. And that was a perfect name.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I love the, t- I love like titles. I was talking to Martin about this a minute when you, when you so rudely left us with your bad microphone, but uh, I, I like titles that don't scream UFO. They're yes. subtle, you know? And, uh, and I love out of the blue, I know what I saw. Um, the phenomenon is brilliant. I love that title. And um Moment of contact, I think, is, is appropriate for, you know, I, that moment of contact, I think. And I, I and I hope that, you know, we'll come up with something similar for this one. I think it should be. I
0: know you're going to think I'm crazy, but that should be the title. <laughs>
1: that's
2: already taken, Martin.
0: That's already oh, said. that's already taken. Yeah. But yeah. that's how a lot of people will tell me about their UFO sightings. Well, I know you might think I'm a little crazy, but this, you know, <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't think that yeah. one would flow too well. But yeah,
0: no. Um,
1: I'm looking at. We have the entire movie mapped out on the wall right here. Oh, actually, if only we could see it. I know, I know, and I'm looking at. It, I'm, I'm just thinking this, that the title is probably on one of these. We have these big white uh, boards that we. Uh, I actually had a friend of mine come over. who has got brilliant handwriting. I was like, "Can you do this, please?" <laughs> so we like got storyboard. Actual, actual, I'm sorry. Like a storyboard type of thing. Yeah, storyboard. Yeah, we got X one, X two, X three. I think it'll be. I think the end result will be pretty damn close to what we're. Uh, you know, things change a little here and there, but I think I have a pretty good, pretty powerful act one, act two, act three. I think it's going to be a really good. I, I do. I don't think yeah. like people like yourselves are going to learn that much. Um, maybe a little bit, but I think for the general public, once again, I'm creating. I'm trying to create, you know, something that could you know explain what's been going on since 2017 uh to a more mainstream audience because it's pretty it's pretty crazy you know i'm gonna watch it for the time-lapse
2: footage to be honest because i hear you're gonna have incredible time-lapse footage
1: oh so pretty
2: that's that's where i get off that's my so pretty pretty. it's nice Give me some nice time lapse.
1: Yeah, no, oh, really. I, I looked at it, I was like, this is the, I, I, the most beautiful I've ever seen. I'm, I'm, were you to, shooting,
2: I'm sorry? When were you shooting in Washington? I shot there. Uh, March. I, so huh? the March? In March. That's not too bad. I was there no. in January shooting for my film, and it was insanely cold. I couldn't work the focus. Oh, my god! It gosh. gets really, really cold in D.C. Yeah.
0: yeah. So yeah. one of the things uh, that you just said there, James, is something that I have to be more sensitive of because I uh, every once in a while, I'll read some of the comments I get on YouTube, things like that. And someone wrote something along the lines. Well, hey, you know, you're acting like everyone knows this story. I know. And this was actually the Ariel phenomenon, you know, the Ariel school incident. Of course. Um, so of course. and they're saying you're acting like everyone knows this. I don't know this story. So, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. I'm going to stop listening. And so we all have to be I think uh, there's so many new people coming in looking at this topic because of all the publicity that we really have to, you know, kind of keep everyone happy if we can somehow by giving them a nutshell of what's going on. And James, I know you've got to go. You've uh, you've graced us for uh, longer than a half an hour, which uh, it was hard to get out of you in uh I know you're
1: you you said you got a lot to do, so
0: I don't want to abuse that I'm leaving it
1: am leaving in a few days to go to Europe and then when I get back from Europe, I'm only around for a couple of days and then I gotta go doing another shoot in d c and I got shoots all across. I should be done shooting the movie by the end of September and my goal is to have a rough cut by 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 you know the end of the year or early twenty twenty four and have the film come out in um uh, in the summer of twenty twenty four so that's my goal. And, you know, inevitably, well, <coughs> excuse me, bug just flew right in my mouth. Oh, God. He just got swallowed, too. I saw him flying right yep. here, and he went right in my mouth. <laughs> you, you know what you saw, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. I know what went what, what, what in my mouth. That was, God. <laughs> came what out of the boy in my mouth. Well,
0: you Jesus converted God. an old cow barn, so what do you expect, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Where was I
2: before I was rudely interrupted by a bug? You were talking about how Phenomenon basically took you eight years. Yeah. well, make, last- And now you're banging them out. You're doing great. I remember us doing a hike and you saying, or me saying to you, eight years. I don't know if that's sustainable. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like once a year or a year and a half, you're doing it. You're like in the flow, bringing it. Well, and uh, and the last one I thought was a great milestone and where you're going as a as a filmmaker and i'm you know looking forward to this
1: one as usual well oh, thank you guys well i tell you i thought that that moment of contact was was risky um and i had a number of people that were very concerned like you just came from you know where you pushed the envelope a bit with the phenomenon and now you're dealing with a crash live aliens walking through a town like i had a lot of people like are you sure you want to do this you know i was like well i'm yes i am but i knew it was a gamble and uh but i think that uh you know i think it's it got discovered i think three or four months after it came out i mean the film was competing with avatar for a week uh, in the charts which is unheard of like i mean unheard of i mean the execs were calling me going we've never seen this like this is you know i mean there's a demand for it right there's a there's a thirst yeah uh, for this kind of stuff and people want to know so and
2: a new generation
1: And a new generation.
2: And yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because when you do a show like this, you might mention a case. There are so many cases. And that's the point is you can't do a deep dive on each of them. If you want to see a deep dive, watch the documentaries that are out there. You can watch Randy's um, um, documentary, Aerial Phenomenon. You can see the phenomenon. But it's it is deep. It Mm -hmm. is it is a deep well.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah. our
2: job as filmmakers is to find those stories that we feel are credible uh, and be able to, you know, spotlight those where they haven't been seen maybe in a new light or uh, or get the respect that they should have.
1: Well, yeah. gentlemen, I, I I can't thank you enough. Dean, it's a pleasure to see you. Martin, it's, it's a pleasure. Thank yes. you for being persistent to get me on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I do appreciate that. It was like, look, yeah. you bastard. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it worked. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, thank you so much, James, and have a safe trip over to Europe. And uh, yeah. keep keep plugging on. We all love you out here. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, right, right back at you guys. All right, take care. Brother. Bye. All right, Dean. So I Dean, we never leave.
2: You... Jesus, the guy just goes on and on. It's like the interview is about him. I don't understand.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. So, what have you been up to, Dean?
2: Um. Uh, I finished a new movie um, that is a movie movie. Um, it's called The Last Podcast. And it's a, a dark horror comedy. And uh, I kid you not. And it's kind of based on my experiences hosting on your show, which oh. was a horror yeah. uh, comedy. Uh, no, which was fantastic and, um, and was very inspiring and, and, um, and was terrific. And, and to get in a sense of the the audience and to get that immediacy back and forth and everything I thought was just, um, was terrific. So this is a real fun, kind of twisted fable about this uh, young podcaster trying to blow up and he's a debunker and uh, he debunks the supernatural. And so um, he uh, goes ahead and discovers one case um, and it makes him a believer. Uh, But the big, you know, twist is, is he, goes down a deep rabbit hole and does a Faustian bargain in order to continue pulling in subscribers. So, uh, <laughs> I've seen this happen to some of my friends who go, Oh, I'm going to come into this arena and do great and everything. And it'll eat you alive. I mean, you're one of the OG's Martin and, <laughs> um, and are still here. And so, um, yeah, so just finish that. I've been editing that. Um, and, um, and then the other two documentaries, um, that I've done the three part series, and the uh, feature, um, I believe I'm going to be dropping trailers for both of those at Shag Harbor, which um, oh, I okay. will be- Yeah, we'll meet show. up. You're not supposed to know that.
0: So, we're both going up there. So we we're both we're both speakers there. That'll be re- fun to hang out again. It's been a little while, yeah. a couple of years. But, uh, yeah, so why don't you explain, if you would, what those ones, like you said, a series of three, and one is a basically a standalone is that the one that's on the experiencers
2: yes yes um the the one that kind of came first was again it was being on um uh for the new listeners um i had made a film many years ago 30 plus years ago in fact it's just been discovered by the europeans if you if you will oh no uh, really yeah yeah <laughs> so i am going to uh, the Sitches film festival and Sitches film festival is in spain uh, Barcelona, if you're a local Barcelona, and um, they are going to show, they have this program that's called Seven Chances, and they take seven feature films that um, were these kind of cult underground films. Mine was um, uh, the purported first found footage film, uh, horror film made, sci-fi film ever made, and uh, that originally was called UFO Abduction, Incident, uh, uh, no, that was the sequel, um, UFO K-77, which later on ended up becoming the McPherson tape and right. um, yeah. which people can still see um, um, stream or Blu-ray, etc. Anyway, they, um, someone found it. One of the local film critics uh, in Spain saw it. And so uh, I'm going there to present the film. And so anyway, I had made this film and the backstory in the film was that um, someone had edited off the credits <clears throat> and injected it to the UFO community. So That's for right. five years, from 1989 until 84, it became this um, this big underground film where it ended up at the International UFO Congress Convention, where it was declared um, authentic by a lieutenant colonel with Air Force <laughs> intelligence experience and a researcher. And so I got calls from Unsolved Mysteries, hard copy, and a Fox show called Encounters that wanted to know where this footage was found. And so I was. Very eager to debunk my own film. There you go. That's, it. That's it. it.
0: I love it's this true. story. This story is hilarious. They took away your credits, and then people are saying this really happened. I yeah, love they that. injected
2: it into the UFO. What had, had happened is a few mom-and-pop video stores got screeners, advanced screeners of the film. And then the, not a joke, not making this up, the distribution company burned to the ground. So I lost yeah. my main master, all my artwork, and I thought that was it. And then, you know, a few years later, this copy shows up and, uh, you know, a big scuttlebutt about it. And then um, so I go on this Fox show. I debunk the film and I'm told still people still believe it's real. Um, well, Dick Clark and Paramount love the story so much they decided to do a remake. So I redid the film in uh, 1998 called Alien Abduction, Instant Lake County. Um, I think the original one is better. <laughs> we had studio involvement, network involvement, exec involvement, and that is never a good recipe.
0: And you, and you got so, fired.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, everyone got <laughs> fired because everyone at the network got fired. So when we came back, we were like, hey, we're done with the film. And they're like, hey, get lost. <laughs> so um, I'm in the director's guild, they went after them and I got my credit reinstilled, they reinstalled and everything. So um, anyway, the anniversary of the film came up and Alejandro Rojas, and uh, uh karen uh, Brard um invited me to go out there and or i invited myself because i love the uh love those guys and and went out there and um and gave a uh, kind of like a ted talk 75 minute ted talk about the film and its journey and everything and, and yeah i was there know.
0: that's that's when you and i met yes that's
2: right yeah. yeah we didn't swipe right it was at the convention okay all right so <laughs> i thought we didn't swipe it wasn't tinder okay Anyway, uh, so I went there and I thought, well, this will be interesting because I've always been kind of an armchair amateur, you know, uh, expert is stretching it in the UFO phenomenon. In fact, my original film was based on Whitley Striever's book, Communion, The Incidences and also Close Encounters, etc. cetera. Um, and so uh, the Kelly Hop- Hopkinsville story as yep. well was in there. So I started meeting all of these people um, like. Uh, Dr. Michael P. Masters and, and, um, uh, and God, there's so many of them, uh, people who are just professionals in, in their line of work who have had experiences. I'm talking about people who were Homeland security supervisors, people who have actually done Ted talks, architects, chiropractors who were all highly credible to me. And after doing 20 years of crime shows, I developed a pretty good, I thought bullshit meter detector. And then I went and, and met with these people when I was doing that and doing alien con. And I thought, well, there's something here that I can't deny it because I've done one and two hour documentaries for Bravo, A&E, et cetera. I thought, well, this is a space I'm comfortable in. I should probably look into this and see if there's a story here. And then I hit on a a line of looking at it from a new point of view that hadn't been done before. And that was enough. And that set me on a five-year journey. And out of that came this three-part series.
0: Hang on just one second. I just want to say goodbye to everyone over at KGRA radio and we'll be back next week with Dr. Keith Taylor. Great guy. Looking forward to talking to him. So uh, continue on, uh, continue on
2: Sure. So then um, it was originally going to be just a feature um, film, 90 minutes in length. I was going to do 15 interviews and then 60 interviews later, uh, a three-part series came out of that, and then um, I ended up going to, um, with um, um, with Yvonne Smith, going to her alien abduction support group, her experiencer support group, Ciro's. And that devastated me. That knocked me on my ass, um, to put it lightly, because, um, you know, I'm in a room with 15 people who all go around the room, introduce themselves and what they do, and they tell their stories. And again, not a blip on my BS meter. So at that point, I, when I would mention it to people, I would see the ridicule factor, and, and that really um, saddened me. And um, I decided, all right, even though I feel like I've really put everything in this three-part series, I mean, when you see it, it's, it is jam-packed, three continents, um, I mean, interviewing, you know, um, people from uh, Leslie Kane to um, uh, Dinah Pasolka, as well as the guy who invented, um, Nick Bostrom, Dr. Nick Bostrom from Oxford, who invented or created the simulated reality hypothesis. And we look at that. I mean, I look at it from NASA all the way through. And so I thought, well, that's it. I've said everything I wanted to say. And then after this, I wanted to say something not from here, but from here, which is, you know, I kind of use the analogy when, when people scoff at me when I talk about the experiencer's experience. I will tell them, you know, yeah, craft came and they, they were taken and experiments were done, et cetera. And, you know, I can see in their eyes a little chuckle and I say, OK, let me let me change this for you for a second. What if I told you that I met this person that said that a van pulled up. And they were abducted and they were put inside and they were harassed and everything else and then later on let out. What would your response be? Would it be, oh, really? It was a van. Was it white? Was it a black van? You know, was it duct tape? Was it rope inside? Really? You would never do that. But these people suffer from something that John Mack knew, which is you can't fake PTSD. And these people clearly are dealing with something heavy, and they've been dealing with it their whole lives. So that set me off on another year doing this uh, new documentary which may or may not come out before the other one. So anyway, that's the unpacking of those um, two projects.
0: Yeah, yeah. And is there anything on the horizon that we may be able to ac- access? You said you're going to be putting out some possible trailers fairly soon, but I mean, the films themselves, I know they're, uh, they're in a, uh, the hands of someone that's going to be uh, getting them out there at this time, right?
2: Well, we are there the, on, the,
0: on the the three part plus the same standalone. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. The,
2: the standalone. It's it. I haven't made a deal yet with. Oh, um, I see. Yes. Some people with regards to who's going to rip the film to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now I've got uh, a, a consortium of four people who, who want the project. So that that is exciting. Um, the other one is in a transition of, of coming uh, back and, and we're going to see where that goes. Um, but the thing that's interesting and challenging is you can make a feature doc and you can sell that and, and you can get it out there. When you do a three-part series or a limited series, um, people that have, have done that before, when you do it on your own and you show up, it's, it is nearly impossible to get Apple, to get Netflix, to get these other companies to jump on board because when you go and you talk to their unscripted department, The unscripted series department, that that means reality TV, documentary, series department, their development, they don't do acquisitions because no one is usually uh, bold enough or dumb enough (laughs) to go and make that. And I wanted to do it because I didn't want. I had interference with Paramount and Dick Clark on the other one. And so this one was very kind of special. And I wanted to incubate and have some time and discover it without having this go on. And so what came out of it is something that has been pulling in a, a lot of interest. Um, but it's interesting because you do have those people who you have to say to them, no, 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 watch it. Don't just look at it and say, well, we don't do acquisitions. Take a look at it and then you know, go from there. And so right now, all the animating animation is uh, is getting wrapped up and everything. So it's something that I was figured it would come out um, this year and the other one the following year, but they may come out both of them this year. So I'm very excited about these things because it's uh, I worked really hard to pull in people who don't normally work in this field and to bring them in and say, look, I need you to sit down and consider this.
0: Yeah. And I think that's going to happen more and more as as we go along here. And what do you you know, I know you had your head deep into the editing of this uh, this thing you were talking about, this movie, the latest Thing that you're involved in and so you 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 know i i would send you a text and you you like well i can't really look right now i'm right into the editing and all that so have you been paying attention to anything at all uh lately i i on the at least on the surface part of it and what are your thoughts
2: yeah um i have been uh not as deeply as i would um like to what i normally do but enough that i've read several articles and what's going on the stuff in peru um i know you guys were talking about that so far it looks like um there's a chance that you know the guy who shot um one of these you know figures uh said it looked like it was wearing a helmet and it was wearing kind of suit in fact they described the helmet as being like in spider-man the the mask
0: right yeah
2: okay that's pretty specific so we need to get more information on that. Supposedly that's been going on for like on and off for a month. And that was the big thing culminating the seven or eight feet tall thing. If you're going to harass people, minors, um, if you're doing that to keep the locals away, um, that seems like a pretty far reaching um, way to do that. However, um, there's a movie or a, a four part series on who I believe it is called the Sasquatch or Sasquatch, and it's about these drug dealers. Who faked a, a, a Bigfoot attack? And these drug dealers were pretty insidious. They actually killed some um, uh, local workers that were helping there as a demonstration, and they mutilated them. And it was this terrifying thing. But there has been a president president of stuff like that being done beforehand. I'm not saying that that's what's going on. I'm not saying that that's what I'm endorsing. I'm just saying that I you know I want to look into that some more. Um,
0: I have two I- contacts. Two different contacts in Peru, and one, uh, you know, wrote back to me and said, oh, you know, I think it's just a hoax. Uh, didn't really look into it deeply, and then another one who's really looking into it, he's saying that a lot of things just don't seem to make sense about it. And one of them being uh, the jetpacks. He says, look, I know what the people are like in that area. They're very, very poor, and the miners are very poor. Unless they get really lucky and get, you know, a really good amount of gold or whatever it is. I think it's gold. Uh, but he says, but he's never seen a jetpack in Peru in his life. And he's he's lived there all his life and been all around. And there's no jetpacks. I mean, and they didn't say anything about them making the jetpacks are very distinct in their noises they make and everything. You know, I mean, there's it's just plain weird, whatever it is, it's plain weird. And it may have, you know, an an answer that, you know, it does belong to someone trying to harass these people but it's just strange. Yeah.
2: yeah, again, I'd love to have footage. I love to have the locals be videotaping these guys, filming them. Um, another case that I, that's a, a recent case that, that I just talked to someone recently and they said that they had communicated with someone um, um, in an intelligence that said that there was some viability to the, 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 um, the truth that the incident in Vegas happened. In Vegas. Yeah. In Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Which was the, the people seeing, you know, these, these, uh, aliens in their backyard.
0: That's right. And that came out the same week as David Grush, you know, came forward, you know, basically. Briar. Oh
2: yeah. Oh, yeah it came out before the, yeah. the, the hearing. Yeah. And so it was kind of, both were kind of conflated and it was just, it just seemed too fantastical. And so I might have to go back and, and do another look into that. Um, it sounds really interesting. I, I. I want to talk to this person and, and get more information on that, uh, which kind of annoys me because if it is, it does seem credible. It means that I got to dust off my camera and go back out there. And
0: Well, there's a detective that's working on it. That's, you know, a skeptic detective uh, that's been putting some things out supposedly. And he's, he's kind of puzzled by it from what I understand. Yeah. 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 But um, viability to some of the things, you know I mean? Yeah, but you know, the odds are, uh, you know, I mean, they they came forward right after that uh, thing was seen on a, a cam, a dash cam, I believe it was. like, a, And that was definitely like something like a meteor, I believe, something along yeah. those lines, a fireball or whatever it was that had nothing to do with it. But it just happened to be that same night, I guess.
2: Well, you know, the dash cams aren't, aren't that high resolution. And so yeah. you see something streaking across and people always talk about... Um, these these crafts being some of them being like the sun. It was so bright, it comes out. You know, they see it, it fills the light fills their whole room. Um, so that yeah, that's that's intriguing. So I'm I'm considering going and and doing a little bit of a deep dive uh, over there and, and looking at that with regards to the hearing. Um, you know, it's a start. I'm not going to get into the scuttlebutt about um, the stuff that came out. Uh, there's always going to be critics and stuff. And, um, um, you know, if if it's, you know, if there's some fire to this smoke, it'll come out. Yeah. You know, it always does. So yeah. otherwise, yeah. I feel like, um, you know, we need to have more opportunities like that. The thing to me that that's most upsetting, though, is um, the um, Republican rep, uh, Tim, I can never remember his last name, Who who engineered the whole Congressional hearing, um, Tim.
0: Oh, Tim Burchek. Ber-
2: thank you, burchek I always want to say Birdwell, um, Burchek, The fact that he went with his um, with his uh, kind of attachés and went to t- to interview this whistleblower, and then they got you know blocked by this uh, supposed general, who said we don't care. You don't have the right to come here. And uh, intelligence, defense intelligence uh, uh, trumps you, which is bullshit. And so that was disconcerting because all this has been set up. The apparatus has been set up so that these people can come forward. And then when they do, this happens. Well, that to me is is um, kryptonite to getting the truth out there. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I asked him what happened. I wonder if I have that clip. No, uh, I asked him what happened. I don't have that clip uh, readily available but uh you know he when, he got, when he got bumped basically yeah. and he didn't he didn't want to talk about it he just said uh you know let's move on and you know this is this is bigger than that which uh you know it it is true and I'm glad you know he felt that way instead of just walking away you know which he you know he could have done so yeah no I, yeah, I, I mean have-
2: there's um- I don't know what you've heard. I haven't heard anything else, but supposedly there's going to be a, a Senate hearing, possibly in October, Grumblings of that. Um, I just feel like if you're going to do that, you need to bring out the best cases. You need to to substantiate it um, with things that move the narrative further along, um, not things that kind of reiterate what we've heard. Um, because, you know, at, at the end of the day, people are clamoring for that material, Yeah, that exotic material. Well, the the material itself doesn't have to be another component. It doesn't have to be metals that we don't have. If you look at it being from another, them being from another dimension or as, you know, Michael Masters, uh, um, you know, his his, um, uh, theory that he's, you know, taken upon his mantle to, uh, to carry, which is that they're from the future. That would make total sense. It would be earth materials. So I think it's, it's, more of getting something that shows intelligent design that we haven't done processing that we haven't done and show me the goddamn bodies. I want to see the bodies.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like Alejandro said, when he was on the show right after uh, uh, David Grush came out, you know, we need to see the receipts, you know, we need to, it would be, uh, I don't know. Here's the problem. I think with that, maybe I'm totally wrong. I think I'm hearing your email pop in or something. Maybe. Yeah. Let me, Shut your email. Um, So the problem with that is what are we ever going to get to know? You know, what where is the line of what's classified and what's going to be available? There are so many uh, ways they can put this umbrella over whatever it is to say we don't want, you know, our, uh, you know, other countries to know that we know this could be one of it, you know, I'm, I'm just our adversaries or whatever. So we don't want to share this type of thing. So there's so many different ways they can block that type of stuff that, you know, even if they have a first-hand witness come forward, what, what can he reveal other than talk? Right. Yeah.
2: It's, it's strange because um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm at heart, I'm a skeptic not a debunker. Um, by skeptic, meaning that, not and skeptic isn't the right word. It's been twisted into, you know, you're you're someone who is a, an, an agent of, uh, of skepticism on something. I'm an analyst, I guess I would say. I want to look at the material, and I want to be able to analyze it. And right now, the most compelling thing that has been the most compelling thing since the dawn of man is witness testimony. We yeah. still don't have receipts. We still don't have the bodies. We don't have the the craft, and so everything else is is just kind of hearsay, and that's it's the person, the messenger, if you will, that's delivering it, and so that to me is still the case hasn't changed, and we can look at things and say, well, like I know Mick West said, what's more realistic, that um, a uh, a bunch of kids saw at aerial school saw a UFO land, a couple UFOs land, and some aliens get out and had this communication with. Or a van pulled up and some guys took out some marinettes. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, well, I I find equally find them equally uh, uh, challenging. However, again, I go with testimony and I go also with with what James Fox did, which is uncover this woman who was on the yard, who witnessed this, who knows the difference between marinettes, not to mention that kids, they know what marinettes like, They know, what puppets look like. So we need a better analogy than that. But um, until that happens, we're still kind of, you know, based on our own experience. And, and I haven't seen anything. I did have a very, very strange dream. <laughs> so uh, I don't think I told you this two months ago. Uh, don't worry, you weren't in it, uh, Martin. Um, Thank
0: God, yeah.
2: <laughs> and what the dream was, is I was in this like kind of, um, I was on this rooftop looking out and I saw this craft coming. And I looked and I went, the thought in my head was, oh, shit, that's a UFO. There it is. That's what it looks like. It's making a little bit of a weird sound. But there it is. And I'm looking at it. And I'm going, God, that's so crazy. Look at that. And then it lands. And then I I see whoever gets out, it gets a little jumbled in my dream. And I remember all the details. But it was like we were communicating. And And it was, it was more of me kind of watching and it was like, okay, we're going to go here now, this and that. And I remember in my head thinking, oh, that's so strange. Look at that. And I was fascinated by the whole thing. And, um, and, and thinking that for the experiencers, I wonder if that was what it was like is you're so, if you're not terrified, you're riveted by how strange and surreal. And it made me feel like, you know, they talk about high strangeness. You know, I yeah. talk with Earl Grey about that all the time. You know, how great the high strangeness is and you can't include it. Like don't include Bigfoot in my UFO, you know, sandbox. Um, but it is that strange and everything. And so when I woke up and everything, I, I was talking to Charlie Parrish, <laughs> our friend, about it. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I think that's the closest that, that I've gotten to kind of having an understanding of when you see something that's so absurd and shouldn't exist, what it does to you. Yeah. And so, um, I guess, yeah, Yeah, go
0: ahead. No, no. I I know from my own experience, it was like, um, it didn't fit. It didn't fit my reality. And, uh, you know, just a, a, a quick, you know, recap for, I I I've told the story a number of times but people ask me all the time, can you tell your, you know, your sighting, it was, it was kind of, you know, it wasn't anything over exciting, like some of the, um, you know, encounters that I heard. But anyway, I was in a hot tub. I was not drinking. I always have to say that. And uh, something caught my eye and I looked up and it was dusk. And it was a blue disc, like a glowing blue disc, you know, went right over my head. And the first thing I thought of was there's absolutely no sound. How could this thing be flying and moving? And I saw it stop too, and be no sound at all. No, you know, no propulsion. But the, the sound was very eerie to me. I and mean, I was trying to, like, put in my mind right at that moment, like, what am I seeing? You know, this yeah. isn't what I'm supposed to be seeing. You know, it's a very strange feeling.
2: Uh, yeah, they, I mean, a, a buddy of mine who's a fellow documentary filmmaker, um, he never believed in this stuff. In fact, I think he was kind of put off that that I had um, um, spent some time in it professionally, you know, with the documentaries. And then he called me out of the blue and said, Hey, can we talk? And I said, yeah. And he goes, so, um, he said, it's taken me, you know, a a few weeks to, to even talk about this, but I was moving from one apartment to the other and it was around 4am at night and we were out in the deck kind of catching our breath because we had to get everything moved and he's going out of the country, I think, or something. So anyway, he said he was looking on the deck and he sees this metallic craft moving along and it had a blue glow around it really and the, yeah the blue glow became more and more intense and then it was like it like a little fire a little pulse and he said and then it was gone and he said it's really effed him up
0: he well, said you know I, that that's yeah. only like the third time i just asked the guy I guess Last week about anyone ever mentioned the blue glow, because I've only heard it a couple of times and now mm-hmm. one more time. Oh, so, really?
2: Yeah. 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 And he wanted to talk about it. And he wanted, you know, he was he was trying to get um, like, uh, um, in a way, psychological understand or help for this, because he said it's it's really jacked me up because I don't believe in this stuff. Those are my favorite cases. Yeah. Like, me too.
0: I, lo- I love when people don't believe in it, then it yeah. gets shown to them. I wish that would happen to Mick West. <laughs> here, well, let me. Is, this is this yeah. is the clip I the clip I was telling you about. I know people have seen this before on my channel, but here it is. Hey, Tim. Guys. Hey, Brad. Hey, How are you? Martin Wilson podcast UFO. Yeah. Nice to see you. Sure. So. Uh,
1: you want me to put that on? Sure. You can.
0: All
1: right. You're not gonna do me like Fox and give me one that's been in somebody else's ear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I just wanted to thank you personally for all you've been doing. Well, thank you, brother.
1: I appreciate
2: Appreciate all the coverage y'all been giving, especially you, brother. I know you've been there at the forefront of this thing a long time. Yeah. And I appreciate yeah. it very much.
0: And uh, I'm really sorry what happened. I don't know what happened. Ah, it's just politics, dude. It's
2: yeah. It's no big deal. Let's. Let's focus on the, let's not, yeah. let's focus exactly, brother, on the bigger picture. It's bigger than than me and all this other stuff. Let's get to the
0: bottom of it. This is a cover-up and we all know it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Really appreciate all your efforts. Yes, sir. So anyway, you know, here, here, you know, people will say, well, you know, he's Republican or they'll say the other person is Democrat, but this is has nothing to do with politics, in my opinion. It's totally nonpartisan. And, uh, you know, he I think he is doing an excellent job, you know, pushing this thing. And, you know, someone had to do it. I don't care who it is. But I mean, and and there is some mockery, you know, of other of uh, some other uh, congressmen saying, you know, what a waste of time, what a stupid thing. You know, and it's really sad to see that because I thought everyone at the hearing was very respectful and they asked really good questions, and um, there was it, that, that was it wasn't a circus like people are trying. Some people are trying to make it out to be, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's I'm on the fence about it not being political. Um, and why I say that is that <clears throat> whatever um, you know, political nationality you are, whether you're Republican, Democrat, or you know the Green. Uh, the green team. Um, if if you believe and you follow this, the phenomenon, um, you have to be aware that there's two messages that these beings have been saying since, you know, at least I think the first time it came, it was in the 60s, um, well before where we're at right now, which the two messages are, um, your technology isn't helping you, which has been attributed to, you know, they're not spelling out for us, but which has been attributed to, you um, Uh, nuclear weapons and stuff. I happen to think it has to do with smartphones. I think that makes maybe more sense. Um, But the other thing is you're destroying your planet. Yeah. And that has gone on and on and on. Now, we are going to be at that place if we don't kill ourselves. We're going to be at a place where we're going to be visiting other civilizations if they exist. And the the chances everyone says, you know, the fact is numerology-wise or number-wise, statistic-wise, there are other planets that have life out there. So we're going to be checking them out. And if we see telltale signs that they're heading in the same direction, I would think that we would kind of say, hey, you might want to do this. So when I hear that it's not politicized, I'm kind of like, well, it is, because that is our number one priority. We are not going to be relocating to another planet, I'm sorry to say, as much as we want to be able to affirm that stuff. That won't happen by the time what's coming, by all accounts, seems to be coming. I mean, within the next five years, anyone who has been doubting this, It just the statistics are and just the 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 experts and the research, not just the experts. I mean, talking to people who I know live in Texas and stuff, it's different who live in, you know, Florida, Um, what's going on on the coast and stuff. It's it's coming. So you can still be a Republican uh, and because I know that it's it's uh, and are Democrat doesn't matter. But even though the Democrats are known for being more climate conscious, that's how it's purported in the news. Um, you can still believe that, but you've got to vote to have those be those issues. So I think with regards to political agendas, it is, you know, critical because all this doesn't matter. You know, uh, listening to podcasts, it doesn't matter if we can't survive. We can't go outside. Um, yeah. And right now, I don't know how we're going to reverse this. And I'm not expecting the aliens to come and say, here's a technology and save us, because if that was going to happen, they already would have you know, I think dropped that off or maybe, you know, inspired it in someone's uh, um, mind, um, you know, whatever. So.
0: Well, I'm getting depressed. I I know know it's it's the reality of it, you know, the reality of it. But uh, yeah, it is. uh, It's depressing when you really think about it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I have been told something from, uh, you know, a, a filmmaker that was doing some research that was very bleak when he, Reached out to all the world scientists who, uh, when he was doing some back end work on a series that was looking into extinction events, so uh, and it's very. They had they all had uh, you know very bleak things to say about yeah. The
2: scientists, yeah. but but the thing that that's more terrifying is, is, I'm like, okay, people can can challenge scientists because we do that now. We can say, well, they're scientists. What does that mean? What's their agenda, et etc. Talk to farmers, talk to people in agriculture yeah. who are suffering. Um, the yeah. cost of food is going to go up, et cetera. But we are going down a dark <laughs> road here. But yeah. it is it is something that, again, just to kind of umbrella this, I think um, that that is a message that has come forward. And I think I would want to listen, if you're not going to listen to you know experts, I would want to listen to someone who is purported to be more advanced than us I want to be around to be able to, to be Star Trek. You know, yeah. I want to be able to go to other planets, you know, yeah. or other dimensions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dean, I think we're going to call it a night on a sad note. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, it's always good to talk to you. And again, I, I know I've said this last time you are on, but I, uh, when I was out for uh, surgery last October, I want to thank you so much for covering for me uh, when I could not, you know, I could not do the show and you did a wonderful job. And I uh, hope to see you behind a podcast, mic on your own at some point. That would be great. So, uh, and I'd be glad to help you with that. So thanks so much, Dean. You got
2: uh, it. Great seeing you again.
0: All right. Yeah. And talk we'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Okay, everyone. So next week, as I mentioned, Dr. Keith Taylor, uh, it should be a wonderful show. And then the week after that, I'm going to be in, uh, or that next weekend, I'll be over at the MUFON Symposium. And uh, if you're going to be there, uh, please reach out to me. It'd be really fun to uh, hang out. And I might, uh, I just found out that I can't do like a show there or any type of recording there. So I'm going to have to try to figure that out, see if I can do something somewhere, rent a room or something for that in particular. All right, we'll see you next week and keep your eyes to the sky.